You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the podcast. I'm going to try to keep this intro fairly short because I kind of fried my voice doing some singing slash screaming stuff for uh, some new American Cyclops songs the other night, and uh, I need to take a break on the old voice. So I'll just use this opportunity to say, please uh, check out my music. If you have time and interest and want to hear some weird stuff, the American Cyclops stuff is up wherever you stream music. And I would really appreciate you checking it out and uh, hit me with some feedback. I'd love to hear what you think. There's a couple new singles. There's another one coming soon. And, of course, the record that you probably already know all about. So if you could give that a listen, that would mean a lot to me. In fact, I use my guest today, Philippe. I use his Meteor pedal on, like, 75% of the songs I make, I feel like. It's a great, great reverb. And I'm super stoked to have Philippe back on because he is one of the most requested guests. Everybody loves it when he comes on, including myself. So this is going to be a good time. So let's get into it. This is another epic chat with my good buddy, Philippe Herndon from Caroline Guitar Company. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Tone Mob Podcast, the show about guitar stuff occasionally, sometimes. With me today, I have, for a special bonus episode, one of the podcast's most revered and favorite guests, and probably one of the people that I get asked to have on all the time. It would be Mr. Philippe Herndon from Caroline Guitar man. Company. What's going on, man? Man, it's good to be back. I, I, I just, My first question is... Um, how many appearances do I have to make to get the special jacket? Uh, you know? Oh, well, I don't even have one yet. So 
but I think we need the special jackets and we can um, then convene the smoking club, mm-hmm. you know, of the most frequent guests, you know, mm. like I think that would be kind of a nice, you know, a nice video event in a post COVID time as all of us in the room with our smoking jackets holding forth, you know, maybe holding sifters of Covassier, mm. you know, uh-huh. <laughs> a I little like Grand that. Marnier, you know, and we're like, hmm, hmm, hmm. I like this. You know. so, let's see <laughs> who would be on that one. That would be, uh, be you, of course. Uh, we'd probably have, that would also include, uh, that would include Joel. From mm-hmm. Chase Bliss. He would be involved in that. Chris Benson would be involved in that. I'm trying to think of everybody. You're making this sound better and better. Right yeah, now. This, this is this is really <laughs> nice. Like, let's see who else has been on multiple times. Uh, that's really cool. Uh, Emily Wolf, uh, she's been on several. That'd times. That'd be awesome. She's a great guest. Um, this is sounding think. more and more appealing as we're going. Brian Fallon Bri- would be Brian on there because he's yeah. been on multiple times. So that's a good. Um, that guy's cool. I'm trying to think of more. more, There's lots of multi guests. There's several. Yeah, we'll have to we'll we'll have to put that in the consideration set. Maybe, um, you know, like see see how the Patreons would feel about a special event like this. You know, like could we book could we book a venue like the Largo or something for it? You know, you know, I feel like I feel like as long as we kept all the shots to the interior and never ventured to the exterior. Yes, uh, the shred shed would be quite classy, you know. Yeah. But if you look outside, it would like, oh, it's a shed. But inside, yeah. it, it could be you could be tricked into thinking it was on some sort of fancy property. Oh, a, I mean, I think your your place is amazing. Somewhere. I was just almost imagining like an an, an in person event, you know, where people could get folding chairs outside the shed. You know, we put it through oh. PA. You know, oh man, you know, like an actual like party party kind of thing. You know, that would be wonderful. Now that we can start having company again, you know, like that's, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's part of the uh, part of the charm. But so I had a question, and okay. I was curious if this is like resonant for you as much as it is for me. Okay. But why is it? <laughs> why is it the people on the Facebook page associate? You and me, as the only thing we talk about is cocaine in the faders of mixing consoles. Well, that was, uh, you know, that was a rather epic moment in the, uh, in the, you know, recording of this podcast. I can honestly say that the only other, the only person I've talked to about cocaine being in the mixing faders, I've talked about cocaine multiple yeah. times, but cocaine in the mixing faders specifically, that is, that is you. So, and I believe that stands as a uh, crowning moment on the entirety of the entire show, and it's uh it's what people it's what the people want to hear about. You, you know, know I, I have to admit it. it the only the, the where it comes from is uh, so there's two places that it comes from. Once is we um, my band in the '90s mixed our album with Paul David Hager, who is the uh, he's done with a done a bunch of people, Megadeth, and a bunch of different stuff. And um, God, what's that band? The, the band that had the huge hits in the '90s that I'm blanking on right now. Um, uh, I'll, I'll blank. I'll remember them in a second. But okay. um, girl lead singer. Um, but yeah, but he mixed us on an SSL, 
And I was like, oh my God, this is like, how much are these consoles? It's like, well, this one's, you know, three quarters of a million dollars. I'm like, well, it really suck would have suck to have someone dump a bunch of Coke in the faders, right? You know, like, you know, like, <laughs> it's just like this thing, like, you know, it's this random joke. I mean, he was like, oh, and the, and the, the Berkeley, the Berkeley, it was up in Boston. The Berkeley student who was working, whose job was to take care of this thing, was not thinking that was that funny. But I swear, not within like a year of me making that joke, I was watching behind the music, and they're doing the behind the music on Kiss, mm-hmm. and they're talking to Bob Ezrin, you know, trying to figure out uh, the what happened, you know, or the how did this get made about right. music <laughs> for the elder, you know. Like, right. what happened? Like, why do y'all do that? You know, and everyone's explaining, like, their reasons for why they thought they could do music for the elder, you know, or music from the elder, you know, all that. I'm blanking on what it's called exactly, but it was Kiss's concept album, right? Right, 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 right. And they bring in Bob Ezrin, you know, Pink Floyd producer to produce their concept album. And uh, they're all, like, kind of given different reasonings of what they were going for with the concept album. And Bob Ezrin just looks at the camera and he's kind of a, he's somewhere between like Mike Matthews of Electroharmonix and um, uh, Doc from Back to the Future. And Bob okay. Ezrin just says like, there's a lot of cocaine going around back then. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's, that's just, that's and was, yeah, and, you know, the, the kind of, the kind of confidence that would make Kiss a band that dresses up like, you know, space warriors to all of a sudden go like, you know what we need? A concept album about our modern age and the lack of heroes. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, what drug gives you that kind of hubris? You yep. know, that, what, what, that kind of confidence in yourself. And then what drug makes... The producer of Dark Side of the Moon go, I think they're on to something. Right. <laughs> you know what? This Paul Stanley guy, I think he might actually have a trick up his sleeve. <laughs> <laughs> There's a certain kind of Bradbury-esque je ne sais quoi author quality to yeah, Mr. Peter right. Chris. You know? I <laughs> <laughs> just can't quite put my finger on it, but this seems like a man of greater substance than he first appeared. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of greater substances, <laughs> move us, sco- scoot over. <laughs> yeah, hold on, get away from the console. You're you're gonna get it in the fader. Oh, you got. Oh, come on, Gene, you sneezed and you got it all in the faders. Uh, I told you to do keep it on the mirror. I this is, you. you know what? I bet you there's already cocaine in the faders of those Chase Bliss Automotone. Oh, Thanks. yeah, that's why they had to make the shield. That, that's right. That like that, that record player cover. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it's like the, the world's most expensive record player cover for the for the for the for the automaton and CXM pedals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like, no, 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 no. Just put your put your Tony Montana. Just put your pile on top of the cover. That's right. Not yeah. And yeah. it's also a flat surface so you can break it apart with your um you know, w- with your PayPal credit card, you know, that that'll, you'll be, <laughs> you, you know, exactly. you'll be fine. You'll be fine. Yeah. So 
Yeah. <laughs> but I, I just love that this has like become the thing. It's like, like the, the first thing is like, oh yeah, cocaine in the faders. So I'm like, That's right. oh, you know, I <laughs> guess. We gotta talk about it. We gotta, well, I guess you know, it kind of is. It's, it's, a, it's a thing that, you know, not very many people get a thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> not, not all that. You, you think, you think that everybody gets a thing, but not everybody gets a thing. And you can't really like force a thing. You can't be like the type of person that's like, this is my thing now. Usually a thing has to find you. And I think our thing, our mutual thing is discussing various rock musicians and how much blow they have put into various electronic devices. I think that's our thing. Oh, I, I definitely think, um, I definitely think they had to get a shop vac into the um, Neve consoles for the after the recording of "Get Lucky" by Loverboy. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah! Oh man! For a second. Yep, and, and you know that janitor was like, "I'm, I'm not gonna take this out to the garbage." No. <laughs> 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 like you can, you can kind of guess at certain albums. Like, okay, that one definitely. Yeah, know. that one. We're gonna vacuum up thoroughly. We're gonna use a fresh vacuum, and we're going to <laughs> catch it all into a baggie before we just throw it all away. And now, seventeen minutes in, I'm realizing if you were the Lorne Michaels of Saturday Night Live, if this podcast was Saturday Night Live, and you're the Lorne Michaels, I guess my skit. For like a solid year is cocaine man. Philippe, every it's like, all right, we're gonna do the opening monologue and then it's cocaine man. Do I have to do cocaine man again? Yes, yes. people are fired up. People it's cocaine co- man. Woo! People the audience is cocaine <laughs> man. You're gonna have to do cocaine man goes to the grocery store this time. <laughs> It's like cocaine man doesn't have a superpower, but he has a lot of confidence. That's right. And I was like, do I have to? It's like, no, you don't understand. Hanks is hosting. He wants to play a villain. He wants to play. He wants to play the villain, cocaine man's arch nemesis. (laughs) So get that suit. Get that suit and find some talcum powder. That's right. Quote unquote, quote unquote, unquote, talcum powder. <laughs> exactly. Like, it's like, darn it, this is my skit again. Yeah. You know. Yep. It's like it's it's kind of like uh, when uh, old. Uh, oh, why can't I think of his name? Oh, it just left me all of a sudden. Makes it a lot less funny. Uh, Andrew Dice Clay. Andrew yeah. Dice Clay didn't start out as Andrew Dice Clay. He was just a regular comedian. And all of a sudden he created the Dice Man. And then he's the Dice Man literally for the rest of his life. Even into yep. where he starts being a serious actor occasionally. He's still Andrew Dice Clay, which yep. was a character he created. Larry the Cable Guy. Also. Larry the Cable Guy, classic yep. example. Yeah, yep. David Cross has talked about that. Like He's like, you weren't Larry the Cable Guy when we met, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? He, he was, I forget his name, but yeah, he's a... Uh, he was a regular comedian, like just regular stand-up comedian under his own name. There was no, and then I told her what the wound, you know, like that was not part of the, the thing, but it stuck. And, you know, I can't hate on it because if, if I ran into a thing and it stuck and you start hammering checks like that, it's like, well, this is kind of what I wanted to do. 
it's not exactly how I wanted to do it, but you know, look at the size of my truck. Yep. I mean, (laughs) it's, it's, I mean, we have that situation with the governor of South Carolina. I mean, I've been here for 15 years. I remember when he was attorney general, he did not talk like this. And as soon as he became governor, all of a sudden he talked like foghorn leghorn all the time. (laughs) For real? I do believe that the, I put my faith in the good sense, common sense of South Carolinians. Yeah, I do declare. Yeah, he talks like Foghorn Leghorn all the time. And he now. didn't used to talk like Foghorn. No, not remotely. No, he spoke like a Coen Brothers character. You know, like a little bit of a Southern drawl, but mostly pretty clear. And then all of a sudden it's like, we've got that Clemson football, you know. And now it's 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 like, okay, you've really leaned in on it, haven't you? He's really you know? laying it on thick. He had some corn pone bull, in my opinion, but you know. That's it's what the it's giving the give the people what they want, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah. It's it's he's playing the hits, you know. He's yeah. playing the hits. Yeah, playing the hits. That's what everybody does. That's what yeah. everybody does. It, I I made a comment to somebody that not to get political because I'm not yeah. going to do that. But I made a this. comment to somebody the other day. I'm like, you know, they don't care. You know that this person that you are so passionately supporting does not care about you at all. <laughs> they care about getting reelected and possibly ascending to greater heights. That is all they care about. That is all any of them care about. So stop pretending like this person cares about you or has your best interests at heart because they don't. Mm-hmm. And that's really what everybody needs to remember. Remember, yeah. it's not they, n- none of them care about you. So. I'll I'll say uh, I will make an exception to that. I will say okay. a slight disagreement, and then we'll move on to that. Okay. I think there is a notion of public service that some people have, and that they are there. I mean, I see this. I see this even with people I disagree with, where I'm like, "Man, I really disagree with this guy. I think this guy has some loathsome ideas." But darn, he's pretty good at the constituent services, you know. And that, that's where I'm trying to, like, that's where I try to rem- remember. I'm like, you know, it's like, I have to remember that this guy, might, this guy might be a jerk or this person might be a clown. But please, if I get my passport stolen because somebody put some weird gas in my train car in Prague, can this person get me out of this country? <laughs> right, <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I, I, you know, I was thinking about that. Like, can, can they please just have a passport made and let me get to an embassy and get out? You know, like mm-hmm. that's that, that that becomes like a a thing. You know, and I was in, I visited a bunch of uh, our congressional delegation many years ago, and it was fascinating. Like the whole experience. Um, and uh, I got to say, one thing that did impress me at times was just sometimes you just see this wall of like letters and photos. And I was like, oh, what's this? And you start reading them and they're like, thank you so much for helping me navigate this Medicare nonsense. Or thank you so much for directing me to where I could get help for this. And I'm like, okay, at least do this. Like the but the you know the rest of it like some of the some of it is kabuki theater you know like some of it is like culture war kabuki theater nonsense but I'm like 
Let's try to remember at least doing this part, you know, because one day I'm just going to, I can just see one day I'm stranded in Mexico with no way to prove that I'm fully turned into anyone in the world. <laughs> and if I make a loud enough noise that I'm a resident of blah, blah, blah state, then somebody is not going to want to have you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want my fellow Idahoan to die, you know? <laughs> you don't that have will to, look, you that'll don't make to, me look bad. You, you don't have to worry about that, Philippe, because if, if you get stuck in Mexico or Prague or wherever you're stuck and you need you need to help getting out, you just got to call me. And okay. I will show up and and we'll fix it. I'll just yeah. take care of it. And the way I fix things is is always the same. Whenever I run into a problem like that, everything suddenly becomes a nail, <laughs> and and I just start hitting things until it goes the way that I need it to go, or it breaks. Those are and the- my <laughs> and my hammer and my hammer is money. <laughs> well, I wish that, I wish that was true. No, my hammer is literally a hammer. <laughs> it's just then, yeah, it doesn't always go my way. I'm not going to lie. Someone my asked way me how I fixed the best way to do it. <laughs> Someone asked me how I fixed my sprinkler system recently. I'm like, oh, I found a I found a fix for it. They're like, what's the fix? I'm like, money. <laughs> you just yeah, you paid throw someone. Money up. I, yeah. I paid someone who knows who. Like I'm sitting there, like I could have sat there and gone through the whole system with like my continuity meters and stuff, and like let's find out where the break is, and then dug up stuff. And I'm like, it's hot out there, and there's got to be someone who knows these things better than I do. Let's yeah. give them money. Let's yeah. give them money. Sort of, sort of like when, you know, we all see, every industry has this, you know, like the guitar repair's gone bad. You know, I don't want to be featured on like spl- sprinkler idiots, you know, like look at the sprinkler system idiot work that this guy did, you know, like I don't need to be in his blog. Just like, <laughs> I don't need, you know, like, I, I don't like, like, is this what passes for boutique? You know, like, like I might put some picture up and on mine. So yeah, he, he, we'll we'll all just do each other a favor, like that. You know, I think Matt, so. Matt Farrow and I talked about this. Like, Matt Farrow's like, oh my gosh, best decision I've made in years. I was like, what? He was like, hiring lawn guys. I was like, really? You know, whoa, <laughs> getting all fancy there, Judge Smales. You know, like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> 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 can't mow my own lawns anymore. I must hire the groundskeepers. That's you right. Know? And uh, he's like, no. And he's like, listen, man, like, how long do you spend mowing your lawn? I'm like, ah, after mowing and edging and then drink a beer. And I was like, I might be out there for a couple hours in the hot sun, right? He's like, my yard guys are in and out in like 10, 15 minutes. You 10, know? 15 minutes? Like, I'm like, what are they going on? And he's like, yeah. And it's like, they're efficient and they go and there's like a team of them. They're they're there just to kick ass. And I want that time back, you know? And I'm like, it's kind of fair point. And then it's like, we hired lawn guys. And I was like, oh my gosh, you guys show up with the riding mower and the thing is going like 10 miles an hour. You know, it's like, like it's like sprinting back and forth across my yard. Got two guys edging the guys cutting bushes and stuff. And I'm like, damn, these guys are definitely better at this than I am. (laughs) It's like they do it for a living. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's just like everything else. Like, oh, my goodness, these guys are actually better. Like, not only are they better, but they also have better tools, too. You know, mm-hmm. it's like, 
It's it's like some guy brings in like I tried to repair my pedal and you're like, oh, well, what happened? It's like, well, I tried to solder. I don't know really what I'm doing. I have like my son's Radio Shack soldering. I was like, oh, I get it. Solder isn't hot enough. You probably have some weird solder that is probably meant to be for repairing piping in your house. Mm-hmm. You know, and you just don't know this stuff and blah, blah, blah. We'll clean this up and we'll fix it. We'll get it back for you you know and it's, right. well, thank you. it's like yeah because we do this all the time and we have better tools and we know what we're doing and all this stuff it's just it's, it's a lot of stuff like this so yeah you know but yeah the the yard guy thing it 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 makes some sense it definitely makes some sense but uh no i had something we you and i had a hilarious uh interaction on my page that i think we need to bring over to here i think you're right we do the debate about Bigsby's on non-Gretsch instruments. I saw a lot of people get pretty triggered about this. Yeah, so why don't you why don't you present your hypothesis before we uh, <laughs> before we delve in it in it? Well, we'll test and maybe, the hypothesis. Maybe maybe actually you present your hypothesis, but also uh, maybe tell the story of how you arrived at this conclusion. <laughs> that might be valuable. Okay, well. So here's 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 a little bit of a winding road, but maybe it'll be appreciated for all you podcast listeners who are trying to avoid your work right now, mm-hmm. you know, or you're driving on the road and you're just like, please, Blake and Fleep, tell me some amusing or interesting. Or they're edging stuff. somebody's lawn. <laughs> edging somebody's lawn. It's like, please, Calgon, take me away. Mm-hmm. Take me away. Give me freedom from this existential doubt, the terror of existence versus the fear of non-being. You know. Give me something, right? So I've been having this thought lately a lot about how just certain things aren't necessarily, um, they, they, they don't necessarily have intrinsic value aside from the value that we assign to them, right? So it's almost like, did this music, is this music good or is it good because it's attracted a crowd of people that we associate with people who like good things? Okay. Right? Okay. Um, are these shirts ugly or do they just attract or were, were these shirts always ugly or were they the type of shirts that attracted people who wear ugly things? Right? Okay. okay. You know, so it's like, what is this thing that are, are value? Like, I'm reminded of this amazing David Lee Roth quote. Um David Lee Roth once said, of course, music critics like Elvis Costello. You want to know why? Because music critics look like Elvis Costello. <laughs> okay. <laughs> That's a fair point. <laughs> As somebody who likes Elvis Costello and does not really look like him, uh, I get it. I get it. But, but, you know, there's lots of people who, like, unironically bought Vespas in college. You know, right. they're like, Really? You know that's a moped, right? Right, <laughs> like, like a fancy moped. That's what you like got. You, like it, like you, you, you're 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 getting the worst of both worlds. You're not fast enough to keep up with an automobile, and you're not getting any exercise from walking or biking. So, nope. um, but show off, man. Go go roll with it. Now I'm going to get hated by Vespa owners, right? But, and but, make sure but, you add 37 mirrors to it too, as well. <laughs> Extra style points. <laughs> I do kind of love the Vespa owners who are full on quadrophenia people who like they want to look like Pete Townsend's character 
the character in, from like Quadrophenia or something, you mm-hmm. know, like they want to go to Brighton Beach and have a big rumble against a bunch of rockers, you know. They want to be chanting, we are the mods, we are the mods, we are, we are, we are the mods, <laughs> you know, like they want to be full. On. I can dig that, you know, or if they look like they're in madness, like, <laughs> oh, yeah, look at you, dude. <laughs> You're the whole mods versus rockers thing is another sidebar we can get into, but let's, oh let's continue because yeah. I could go okay. off on that too. So I've been thinking about this like aesthetic thing, right? And I was like, man, you know, and, and I was thinking about this when uh, at certain things at like NAM, right? Right. You see like certain guitars at NAM in the booth, and you just know, like, oh God, this booth. <laughs> this guy. He's just going to freaking play a bunch of wankety blues in E minor mm-hmm. for four straight days. Yes. Or this guy, it's going to be nothing but pinch harmonics and, and, and tapping and leather yep. pants the whole yep. time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just it's the worst. And, and, and you just know you're basically at the guitar equivalent of um, at SEMA or one of the car shows. You're basically at the, the place where like people like, um, what were those Dodge cars that tried to look like um, old ZZ Top cars? You mean the PT Cruiser? Yes, you're at the PT Cruiser mod booth, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, buy your fake PT wood paneling here. Yeah, PT Cruiser accessories. You know, you're you're at that booth now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, <laughs> oh my god! But like, so the thought hit me. I was like. When I see Bigsby's on guitars that aren't Gretsch's, because I I do like the sound of a Bigsby when it's on a Gretsch. That's that's been my thing. I'm like, oh, listen to that. What are we hearing? Southern culture on the skids. Oh, I like that twangy wow wow. Oh, what are they using? Oh, it's a Bigsby. Oh, what's it on? A Gretsch. Ah. Oh, what are we listening to right now? Oh, we're listening to Brian Setzer Orchestra. Oh, I love the way he's using that twang bar right now. What's he using? A Bigsby on a Gretsch, right? I'm like, okay, I can dig it. But when I see a Bigsby on... Bigsby's on uh, non-Gretsch guitars are kind of like bowling shirts for guitars. <laughs> that's, that's, just that's, my, that's just my... That's my feeling. That is my feeling. It is not a... Uh, I can't say it's a verifiable scientific fact. Um... But it's a hypothesis, and I feel it. And I, I know this hurts some people. I know I know some people very upset. I know people who have three thirty fives with Bigsby's. Those kind of look cool, you know. They're kind of like Walter and the Big Lebowski, you know. He's wearing a bowling <laughs> shirt too. Kind of like cool. Walter Sobchak. Yeah, I like Walter cool. Sobchak. Yeah. You know, he's all right. Uh, you know, I, I'm kind of like. Tell, there are lots of people talk about tellies with Bigsby's, and they say. I got a telly with a Bigsby, maximum twang. I was like, you know what has a lot more twang? A telly without a Bigsby. You know? Mm, but it but it doesn't have a, you can't you can't give it that wiggle in the same way. You can't twang and wiggle without the Bigsby on the telly. It doesn't really sound like it has twang anymore to me. It sounds like it has flats. See, you said that to me the other day when we were talking about this, and we were like, "Let's save this for the podcast." It and sounds I, a little flat to me, man. Like the, like that longer string length and stuff. I don't know something about it. It's like 
I, I grab a telly. Like you and I, you and I have tellies. You know what I'm saying? Like you and I both have telly customs from the 70s, right? Yes. And that's not even like a, a cl- because it has the wide range in the in the front, right? But you get on that back, and you pick above. You know, you pick right past the bridge plate. You're going down, down, down. I, I, I don't, I, I don't know. My experience with Bigsby tellies has not been quite like that. That's just my take. It's it's not quite as intense. It's not. And, no. I, and I have another. I have a traditionally loaded out telly as well. Uh, well, the uh, Jennings Navigator, which is like yeah. Mm. Uh, love that thing. Anyway, but it is I mean it's a traditional telly. And yeah, it they both they both do that thing when you pick in that spot. And and you're right that the Bigsby does does kill some of that. It definitely isn't as sharp. But for me, I don't really use that sound anyway. Mm-hmm. Like not I don't I don't I, I'll do it for effect once in a while. Yep. But it's not going to be the main thing of the song or even of the lead line. So, and and I I really like Bigsby's aesthetically more than functionally. So like, in oh, some functionally, ways they're, yeah, they're uh, like that's why I think they're like bowling shirts. Because guess what? Actually, bowling in a bowling shirt not that comfortable. I know it doesn't work. That it, I'd rather wear just a t-shirt. Exactly. Exactly. Or a tank top, if I'm being honest. I think if we're I think talking about pure performance in the bowling uh, yeah. alley, you know, a, like a it, 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 really what you need. It doesn't move the way you think it would, right? It can catch in certain things. It's just that's why I remember, that, that's the the other comment I had about Bigsby's limited functionality, goofy, but with a whiff of nostalgia. Like that's you know my. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm I'm a man. I, I just I, I I've had the nightmare of restringing one. I think it's you know I I I, I think I think the, the their resurgence, especially on non Gretsch instruments, and maybe you know, like I guess you know on tellies, some tellies look kind of cool. Like Pat Benatar's guitar player had one on his tell on his old telly, and it looked kind of cool, right? Mm-hmm. And on 335s, like Noel Gallagher's looks pretty cool, I guess. You know, like Walter Sobchak, you know, like. And what about like Les Paul Customs? I just, oh, man, I. Some I of those come from the factory that way. I know, but so did some with Kalers, you know. I'm, I'm ironically fine with that, too. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I've got this weird thing about, like, I would never put one on a guitar like a, a Kaler or or a Floyd but if it came that way you know that's the way it was intended it, you know uh, whether or not I would buy that particular guitar I automatically like have like no problem with it if that's how it came I f- still feel like this weird pang of shame when I was like a high school shredder I convinced like one of my friends and classmates to modify his 70s SG with a Kaler no no Oh. I still feel like shame about that. Like thirty years later, you like, should. Like, Let's be honest. Because he would try to do stuff like dive bombs and play with it and stuff, and he would constantly because I don't think it's really meant for it. You know, even like retrofitted and stuff. He's constantly knocking the strings like off the rollers and stuff. And the last time I saw him play, he'd taken the Kaler off and put his other bridge back on, but there was still that crevasse where the mm-hmm. Kaler was. Yeah. <laughs> There, the crevasse. The crevasse of the Kaler. <laughs> the Kaler, the Kaler crevasse. You can store drugs in there. 
if it wasn't so obvious that you were storing <laughs> drugs in the crevasse. I you think know? if you're playing a Kaler equipped thing, though, it's just assumed that you have drugs on you. I think but, that's how it works. You know what's crazy, though? The most valuable electric guitar of all time had a Kaler in it. Is this uh, EVH's guitar? No. David Gilmore's, the Black Strat. It had a Kaler. It did, didn't it? It did. For a stretch of time in the early 80s, he had a Kaler in it. And one of the things I thought was such a kind of cool touch when they restored it, because when it was stuck, he put a Kaler in it, and he put a DiMarzio in it, and then he stuck it and left it in a hard rock cafe in Dallas for like 20 years, right? Okay. And literally, it's just like in a picture frame in Dallas, right? And he's like, I want my black strap back. Someone tells him like, you know, we can do stuff about the noise and all the stuff now. And when they restored it, they had to take the Kaler out, put uh, the Duncan back in that he had, and then they had to fill the hole that the Kaler was in and put a standard bridge back on. So if you look at all the pictures from like Live Aid or the On an Island tour or all that stuff that he did after he got his black strap back, you can see there's like an outline where they filled and repainted the black where the Kaler was. Interesting. Very and I've interesting. heard some story about like the custom shop, like Fender Custom Problem, when they were making those Gilmore replicas, like the really high-end ones, was actually routing out Kaler routes and then filling and then painting. I mean, so that, that kind of makes recreate sense. It. Yeah. yeah, so you recreate that line of like, this is a repair line, you know? And I, I kind of love that. I kind of... I kind of really love that. But, like, I mean, if I could find my friend David Bryan and um, fill the hole that we put into his 70s SG for Kaler, I would. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I'd, I'd hire, like, some awesome luthier, like, please, just see if you can grain fill this, okay? You know, like, make like, this right. Make my mistake like, right again. Yeah, please. yeah. I don't know why I talked him into this, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's I think it's because he had just started hearing Jane's addiction and he'd hear Dave Navarro do dive bombs and pitch squeals and stuff because Navarro kind of had brought like you know people there's a whole bunch of feelings about Dave Navarro since the Chili Peppers and reality TV and stuff but people forget like 1987 like that guitar playing on that first Jane's addiction album was damn awesome and it's wild hearing how he managed to incorporate a lot of the techniques and things from 80s shred, but not end up sounding like he was playing through like the tractor beam controller and the death star, you right. know, <laughs> like, you know, he didn't have Obi-Wan Kenobi walking around and adjusting the settings on his Elisa's midi verb, you know? So like, you know, there's some cool, Stuff there, and I think my friend was like, "Oh, I want to get some of those Navarro sounds." I'm like, "You could put a Kaler on your SG." <laughs> oh man, Ooh, not but I guess we'll have to agree to disagree on non-Gretsch Bigsby. I don't know that I fully disagree. I think that I just kind of, I, I kind of, I'm trying to justify wearing a bowling shirt to the wedding. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> I think, uh, to me, it still feels like a guitar to the guitar thing, but sometimes I see, like, newer guitars with them, and I'm like, uh-huh. What's that? What are you thinking with that? Like, yeah, I know that if I was ordering a guitar from, like, a builder, 
I mean, not necessarily like Gibson or somebody big like that, but like a one of the smaller builders that you and I tend to get friendly with. Yeah. Uh, and I wanted a Bigsby style trim. I would order one of those uh, the Duesenberg versions of it. I, mm-hmm. I forget what the brand. There's another company that I guess makes them for them, and I forget what it is off the top of my head. But mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever played one of those. They're good. Ooh. I I play. I had I, a friend of mine had one loaded onto a non-reverse firebird nice and that was pretty cool i'm like i get this you know they feel um, good they feel yeah. really nice it kind of reminded me a little bit of the stets bar did you ever see the stets bar yeah stets bar, never played this bar is kind of stets bar is kind of ugly in a floyd rose way in my opinion yeah but it has still like some of that charm you know where you're like oh well this is kind of fun you know i mean on the right guitar i think it could be cool you know like, yeah, like with the, I think with the Stetsabar, I would almost want like, I'd almost want the Luthier to like really fury road the thing. Right. You know? Yeah. Like definitely. You have this hunk of machinery on the back end of it. Then let's fury road this whole thing. Like, you yeah, know? make it real solid, but kind of make it look gnarly. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. I get that. Yeah, but at, you know, at the same time, I posted this meme. I don't know if you saw this on Instagram. I've talked about it a couple of times because I was kind of it was kind of hilarious to me how mad I knew people were going to get mad, mm-hmm. but I didn't know they would get quite as mad as they did. It's uh, it's it's where there's like a classic like sunburst strat and the guy's kind of like you've seen you've seen this meme format before where the guy's kind of like whatever. He has like no reaction. And then the next one is something sort of like it, but then he like holds his hands up like this is the one. Yeah, um, I, I made one with the a classic strat, and then then the the strat that he was excited about was the uh, HM strat. Dude, I love it. <laughs> I love it. And I'm like, I'm like genuinely like I think I think you and I have talked about this before. When when I get a strat, it's probably going to be if it's not a vintage one, that's fine. But it's going to be. 70s style big headstock rosewood fretboard and like white or black or something all probably solid color that's just which is not what most strat guys want but it's what i want uh-huh. and, and like and also similarly like i would way rather have an hm strat before a classic strat which i know is just like complete heresy yeah oh no yeah 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 oh my god yeah <laughs> yep. and I, I think part of it is because and I'm not a shredder, but like part of it is like I kind of like it because you're not supposed to like it is is the weird thing I think, and oh. I'm not usually that guy, but in this case I kind of am that guy where I like I like it because it's not the thing. Yeah, it's the opposite of the thing. Oh, um, dude, I'm with you. Yeah. Okay, so my college roommate had an HM Strat. Mm-hmm. Uh, my roommate junior year, and it was cool. I mean, it had like kind of a Demarzio-ish pickup in the bridge. Yeah, rocked out. Fun sounds, you know, and I was like, this is kind of wild. And then I especially, I got a chance to play. I remember it was so gauche in the 90s, but I got a chance to play one of the, like, the original HMs, another HM that was, like, the teal-colored one. Mm-hmm. That's just, like, it's the iconic thing. Teal with, like, maple neck, teal, and black headstock, right? Right. And the black headstock with, like, the solo cup graphic kind of that, thing. That's exactly right? the one that I posted. Yeah. That's exactly. And it was cool. And I was thinking about this. Like, so it kind of reminded me of like, 
we we partnered with Charvel on a project like six years ago, right? Where we made a few limited run wave cannon twos, and they matched them with Charvel custom shops. Oh, so cool. match I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. I'll send you the link to it. It's cool. And Chip Ellis from Fender Custom Shop and I were interviewed for it. And it was it was a cool little project, and you know it's kind of a thank you the guy. Um, who brought me on for the project, uh, McGregor, he's a great guy. Um, he gifted me, he's like, we don't know what to do with this, but we need this. And I, and I'll always remember this because this is like, I'll, I'll, I'm going to go a little deep for you and the audience now. I'm ready. So the day I found out my dad's cancer had returned, like a terminal cancer, I was a mess. Like I was just like, my, my dad had called and told me he was back, but it was no big deal. And I wasn't sure he was telling me the truth. And then the next day he called me and he sounded really sad. He called me really early in the morning. It must have been like six his times because it was like nine my time. And he told me he wasn't telling me the truth, that it was bad and he didn't have long. And um, I was miserable, man. I was a mess. And I... Uh, I remember thinking to myself, I really want to, um, I really would just want to go get day drunk today. You know, I just want to like, um, just get, uh, it, you can bleep me if you need to, but I just need to get, <laughs> sh- I, I just need to get based, mm-hmm. you know? And my wife was pregnant with our first kid, with, with would be our first kid. I go to a, a bar to day drink and I get like one and a half beers in and within like 15 minutes. And I'm just like, I can't do this. I just can't do it. I can't, I can't be the guy. I'm miserable. It's like around lunchtime. And I just can't be, I can't be that guy. I can't be that guy that my pregnant wife has to go pick up from the bar drunk, even today, you know, mm-hmm. I just, I just can't do it. And uh, I'm like, well, what do I do? I just, I just felt like doing nothing. I just felt like moping. I just, just, it was, I was miserable. I just knew, I just couldn't believe it. You know, it's like, you know, the, the clock is running out. And uh, I go and I'm like, well, let me go to work and let me just get one thing done. You know, if it, it could be bullshit. It could be one, I could write, I could pay one check, you know, I could reply to one email. Let me just not have, not have totally lost the day, you know? Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like the day is a loss. I'm being beaten 73 to nothing, but let's make it 73 to three. Right. Right. And uh, I go and um, there's a huge package for me, like a big one. And the instant, you, you know, we've all been through the drill where you're like, there's a package that's this tall and this shape. It's a guitar in there, right? Right. And uh, I open it up, and uh, there's a note in there and thing. It's like, hey, thank you so much for working on that project with us. I know we weren't able to pay you as much as we liked, or we weren't able to do more with it, but it was a real pleasure, and I'm grateful to be your friend and all this stuff. And it's from uh, Mike McGregor, who was the who was the product manager for Charvel 
in Fender's performance division kind of thing is what it's called. That I think that's what it's called, Fender Performance or something. It was like Charvel, Gretsch, Jackson, uh, EVH. Okay. Like, they're all kind of called a, a, a thing in Fender. And he was the the kind of the project lead for Charvel who had brought me on to work on it. And he had sent me their 2015 NAM prototype for their Sandemus. Oh man, those are cool. Because it was it, it it was one of these things where it's like they needed to have it ready for the NAM show, so they finished it in California, but it's you know, it's like the finish couldn't cure fast enough, so it had like cracks in it. So you can't send it to a dealer. You can't really resell it. There's not much you can do with it, right? It was basically there. It was basically there for people to look at and see, like, oh, this is what the Sandemus is going to look like this year, right? Right. Um, hang on a wall. He was like, I figured you might like this, and I just lost it. I just, I just like I was a mess. Like of all the days to get a free guitar and a cool free guitar to be gifted a guitar. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Not free guitar. It's not like, give me my free gear, you know, but it's more <laughs> like, it's more to be gifted such a thing. Right. For all the days, I just couldn't handle it. Um, but it was incredible. And it's something I'm grateful for. And then the thought hit us. It was so funny playing the thing um, for like three or four months later. Cause I mean, we were insufferable hipsters, right? <laughs> you can imagine, like, you know, it's like, I'm really, you know, like you and I are name dropping our 70s telecustoms. Like, you know, we don't even play the reissues. We have the real thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, like some kid comes up like, I've dreamed of having a reissue. Telecustom is my dream guitar. It's like, kid, kid, you're not even, your dream isn't even, this isn't even your dream. This is beyond your dream. Okay. Like, please don't. Please don't tell me my guitar is your dream guitar. Like, no, you know, like we're, we're, that's great. Right. I'm comfortable with that being that kind of guy, you know, but we were laughing, Ben and I, and like another coworker at the time, we were playing that Charvel and we're like, I think this is what people really want. (laughs) Like, we can all play our jazz masters with seven and a quarter radiuses and say like, I'm really into that vintage sound. Right. And then you grab like one of those like HM strats or those Charvel Sandemuses or the other one. I think the, the one you would go bonkers for is the SoCal, which is the, um, it's the Charvel, it's the Sandemus, but it has a pick guard. And so you can get it black on black with black pickups and a black Floyd Rose. Like, oh, yeah. Mm, and then it's maple yeah. neck and black. Yeah. So it almost passes for norm core, you know? Right. Like, <laughs> you know, like, it's like, it's the, it's, it's, the, it's the dude with covered in tats, but knows how to wear, you know, nice clothes over all his tats or whatever, right? That's right. You know? and, he, and he rolls up his sleeves and you're like, uh-oh. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This, yeah, that's the SoCal, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, but we we're laughing because that neck is so fast. It is so fast and so comfy and has that 12 inch radius. And you're like, it, it all of a sudden, so many things become really apparent because you're like, oh, why on earth do Floyd's feel so stupid on other guitars? Well, it's because the Floyd is fixed to a 12 inch radius, but you put a Floyd on like a 70s Fender Strat, which you'd see a lot of in the 80s. Like, I got to take my Strat and put a Floyd on it to keep up with these young whippersnappers, right? And these people would put these Floyds on 
And it would feel just like total garbage because you'd have to raise the action to get the low E and high E off the fretboard. But then the whole thing would feel like clammy in the middle, you know, and the tone would be all weird from the float. Mm-hmm. But on the Charvel neck with like one of those compound radiuses or like a 12 across the whole way, all of a sudden it's like, dang, this is awesome. Right. This is what we've been missing. Yeah. And I love, like, they were telling me, they're like, oh, this neck profile is, like, they'd worked with, like, Jakey e. Lee, and, and they'd done the custom shop projects with, with Eddie Van Halen and stuff, and it's, like, it was almost impossible to get things exactly right. And literally, like, they said, Warren D. Martini comes in from Rat, and it's, like, grabs two necks and goes, not this one, grabs the second one. Oh, that's the neck. Nice. <laughs> and they're, like, oh, okay, cool. And they're, like, and they get his, like, snakeskin guitar and, like, the rat stuff that he played on the, in the 80s. And they're, like, oh, yeah, that's the neck profile. Like, that's it. You know, that's the one. It's, like, that he grabbed the one that's that. You know, he's, like, nope, that's it. We're done. You know? Mm-hmm. And he knew. He knew. Mm-hmm. And it is delightful. Like, I think it's a delightful instrument. And a part of me is, like, we were talking about this, like, man, do you ever want to just make like jazz master looking guitars, but put this Charvel neck on it? Just <laughs> troll the hell out of like people who are like, like we will tell people like, oh yeah, this is based on a, this is based on a 61 slab body uh, jazz master that we found with an unusual kind of, neck curvature it's nothing like we've ever found and people be like oh yeah this is the good one we're like 80 shredder neck (laughs) (laughs) just kidding just kidding but i just like i just have a fondness for those things just sentimentally because of what you know when we worked on that project years ago and the gift i got from from them on it and but also uh we just kept giggling and saying those necks are awesome and i would love like, I'm struggling with this a little myself lately, too, because I keep buying different 70s tellies or different 70s Gibsons and, like, them not working and me, like, having to flip them because I'm like, no, I chose poorly again. I got the Norlin Gibson that weighs 13 pounds. Get the thing out of my life, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, or I'll be like, oh, this 70s telly is actually pretty cool, but it needs about another $800 of work, you know? Like, right. right. And I'm like struggling with this because i'm like in my bones it's like i can almost feel like someone saying like listen sleep if you were gigging you would be really happy just playing a socal right <laughs> just pick up the charvel like you would okay. you you would you would use that the whole set maybe switch to like one or two other guitars here and there you know mm-hmm. like like part of the part of the thing I love about my Novo, like I mean, seventy percent of my playing lately is on my Novo Miris. Is that it looks like a look at this? It is the modern boutique guitar that is very nice and is made of these things, but it is built when you're playing it for like the kind of demolition derby that you know, like it wants you to like beat on it. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, which is something I don't send sometimes from like certain high-end guitars that almost feel like look this is for your accurate precision skating you know like (laughs) (laughs) look at the look at the precision skating i'm able to execute here with this boutique guitar i'm you know like 
Like this is not for like that. It's like it's 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 almost like the Novo. It, it has some of that DNA of like seventies and eighties rock. I mean, especially. I mean, and they've even hinted at this with that whole Voltour thing that they do, mm-hmm. where it's almost like they're like, man, like, listen, we know we just want to shred a little bit, like we want to shred and rock out, riff out, you know, like just a little bit. And that, just mm-hmm. let, let's just be honest. This is what you want to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, this is what I like, you know, and it's like, that's part of the joy for me with that, the, those things and stuff. And, um, but yeah, there's, I think there's a real, but it's also one of those, I was laughing about this. Uh, we we're talking about pickups, right. And you and I have been big fans of the righteous sound guy. He's great. You know, oh, yeah. Joshua's and amazing. Joshua's amazing. Mm-hmm. But I was laughing about this because one day I was reading like this chart of pickups and we we're talking about marketing, right? And like a lot of people who like, I feel like I need to get a strat. I'm like, you should get a, a Charvel SoCal. No, no, no. I'm like, no, you should really get a Charvel SoCal. Right. Or some people be like an indie rocker's like, I feel I need to get a strat. I'm like, yeah, based on how you play, you should probably get an Eric Johnson. They're like, I don't want Eric Johnson. I'm not some shreddy cliffs of Dover guitar hero. I'm like, everything you've described, you want in a strat is an Eric Johnson. Right. <laughs> yep whether you know it or not whether you know it or not it's like i would run into this with bass players like they're like oh i want a jazz bass i want this and this and they're like oh you want a marcus miller and they're like i'm not marcus i'm not playing fusion and so i'm like no what you're describing is a marcus miller that's what that is is the bass that is the bass that you should be playing you know it's like the identity of these things gets really confusing like the pickup thing I was laughing about, because one day I was reading, like, this guy had done, like, this huge, awesome, like, I was like, this is some awesome nerdery, right? Where this guy did spectral analysis of a bunch of pickups, right? Okay. A bunch of strap picks and a bunch of tele pickups. And he did spectral analysis and magnet field curves and Gaussian stuff and uh, inductance measurements and DC and all the stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And it cracked me up because I was like... You know what strap pickup is the closest to a telly bridge pickup? You will laugh when I tell you. I'm ready. What is it? The DiMarzio Red Velvet. Really? It has a telly style base plate. It's wound to about the same kind of turns. And the inductance between the base plate and the winding and the magnetism and everything is right about the same. I want to say it's pretty much spot on to like... When, like, somebody makes, like, a broadcaster pickup or, like, mm-hmm. lap steel. Gotcha. Do you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm laughing because I'm like, I know so many Strat guys are like, oh, I wish I had something like a Tele Bridge pickup. And I'm like, you should get a DiMarzio Red Velvet. And their brain is instantly thinking, like, Ingve? <laughs> and it's not an Ingve pickup. It's like, you know, but between, like, DiMarzio's branding and Red Velvet and, like, this thing, it's like, they're not thinking, like, no, 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 no. I'm like, no. Trust me, man. This is this is the thing, you know. It's like it is that kind of pickup in there, and it's you know it's just like everything. It's like it's like if, if you know if you know certain t-shirts companies, you know certain sneaker companies, you know you're like oh, I'm not going to wear that, you know. Yeah, I'm gonna wear this. <laughs> There's a right? few brands that can kind of transcend. You know, like everyone can wear a pair of Jordans. Yeah. But like 
that doesn't happen all that often. Like if if you wear Vans, you are at least tangentially related to skate culture somehow. Yes. Skater, skater punk or something like somehow you're connected to it. You're not yep. like wearing Vans without knowing the the band. There's a band that existed called Minor Threat. Like you yeah. <laughs> you you know that at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's like if like now if someone told you it's like oh the dress shoes you're looking for right you're going to this wedding you need like a black leather dress shoe another trust me Vans you'd be like are you high. Huh? Yeah, like, what are you talking about? It's like, <laughs> like no, they make a dress shoe, and you can get it from these places. And it, it, like, if they made that, you'd you just find it unbelievable, as unbelievable as me telling people like this. Demarzio is actually the strap bridge pickup that you'd want, mm-hmm. you know, based on all based on this data, you know, right. like <laughs> like based on the data and what you're telling me, you want the Demarzio red velvet, right? And it's like hilarious to me because it's like. It's so counter to what we think of. And I laugh about this because I'm like, like, if I wanted to make a Strat sound like a Tele bridge pickup, which I would generally, right? I'm also like, even though I'm aware that I would probably be thrilled with the DeMarzio Red Velvet, I'm also like, man, I love Josh's cooking. Hey, Josh, can you make something like this? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Do you know what I'm saying? Because that would do. (laughs) This is kind of what I'm looking for about these specs, you know, because it's like, because it's, it's almost like he's the guy that, and I think a lot of us find pickup winders like this, where we find a winder and it's like, I like that guy's chili and I like visiting him for his chili. Mm -hmm. I like his cooking and I like visiting him for his cooking. You know, it's kind of ties into something that I recorded an episode with Shelby Pollard recently, and we got really on a tangent about, you know, voting with your dollars, basically. Yes. And it's not like I'm condemning anyone for shopping on Amazon. I shop on Amazon. Like, that's oh not my what gosh. I'm trying to, you I've know, paid for Bezos's space program. At this <laughs> I paid for his super yacht. Uh, <laughs> right. And the, and the corresponding sub yacht that apparently it has to have as well. Now, the uh, difference between Bezos's super yacht is he's actually earned it, as opposed to the guy who, like, ran Sears into the ground and then bought himself a super yacht. Like, <laughs> that guy literally did. Like, he yeah. ran Sears in the ground, fired, like, thousands of employees sold off the real estate and then bought himself like a, a giant super yacht. Yeah. You're like, like thanks buddy. Thanks yeah. Like a football field sized yacht or whatever. And like, and it's like, Oh great. You know, yay for America, you know? Right. Like, congrats. You've just put, you just put 50,000 people on food stamps and Medicaid, but yeah, treat yourself. Treat um, yourself yeah. And, uh, but yeah, the, but yeah, Bezos. Yeah. We have like enriched him. Like, I think the the most embarrassing is when I order like two things from Amazon and then like an hour later I'm like, God damn it! <laughs> and then I forgot to throw that on the order too. Yeah. <laughs> and then I have to make another like eighteen dollar order. I'm like, gotta find a way to get this to twenty five. <laughs> or it's got to be available on Prime. Surely it's on Prime. Surely, yes. surely. Uh, you know what? Uh, throw in. Let, let, let me just get a bag of guitar picks too. You know. Right. <laughs> Is there an $8 capo I can buy? You know, <laughs> stupidest stuff. But yeah, but going with what you were talking about with Shelby. You know? Yeah, so it was just basically a, a, a talk about like trying to be aware of when you when you do go to buy something, if it's something that you have the have a, a variety of choices of where to get it from, try to try to support 
you know, people in the supply chain or businesses in the supply chain that are important to you. So if, if you want to buy a record, you know, buy it directly from the band or buy it from, you know, your local record store instead of ordering it on Amazon. You know, mm-hmm. if you're if you're wanting to buy a specific pedal, try to buy it from your favorite retailer or direct from the, the company itself or, you know, whatever the case may be. A book, like anything, the closer to the source you can get, just try to make a little bit of an effort to to do that. And you obviously can't do that with everything, but it does like shape the landscape that we live in in tiny little incremental ways by doing these things. And yeah. so like with pickups, for instance, like, I don't know anybody at DiMarzio. I'm not hating on DiMarzio. I'm just saying, yeah. I don't know anybody at DiMarzio. I never have known anybody at DiMarzio. Maybe that'll change someday. But yeah. in the meantime, I'm like, I know Joshua. I've played almost everything that he makes in one form or another. Mm-hmm. And I know that he's going to do a good job. And I know he, will get, he won't rest until he gets me exactly what I'm looking for. Yep. And so I'm just going to go to him. Like, yeah. you know. Uh, and there's lots of people who like this, especially in the pickup world where there's like this craft thing, mm-hmm. you know, like I've had this experience with Lindy Fralin. I've had this experience with Brian Porter, you know, right. oh, where I'm Porter's like, awesome too. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, or I'm like, <laughs> like, like Porter posts a picture on his Instagram of these strat pickups. I, I was like, our 70s strat has not had the original pickups in it ever. Right. Mm-hmm. Like when it came to us, it had like fat fifties or something. Right. Porter puts up a picture on Instagram and I'm just like, I want to go to there, you know, <laughs> it's like, I'm like, what can I do to have these pickups, Brian? These mm-hmm. look amazing. And he's like, and he tells me the windings and that they have a bass plate. I'm like, yeah, I thought I would be taking your pickups, you know, like it was, it was pretty like, it was slovenly and great, you know, but yeah, it's like, you find these people who have some craft and care and you're like, I love it. I want to support them. And, you know, and you get to keep rolling with it. It's, it's pretty marvelous, you know? And, and we are in a golden age of this now, man. I mean, Oh yeah. Maybe in platinum. It is, it is in, it is downright insane where it's also, it affects my, you know, like, I'm aware, like, if I do find the perfect 70s telly or that magical 73 Les Paul custom that somehow only weighs nine pounds, right? Mm-hmm. Because let's be honest, the New Orleans stuff was filled with bricks, you know? <laughs> well, um, I can tell you it's possible. My 81 custom is 9. I think it's 9.7. Yeah, so, that's not too bad. Yeah. You know, it's just like, but so many of these, like I, I had a 79 Kalamazoo and I was like, oh, why did I sell this? So, oh, and then I like everyone I see on reverb is like only 12.6 pounds. And I'm like, <laughs> God, that's why I sold it. The tones um, and the pounds. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like I, I, I weigh this, you know, I find myself weighing this, you know, because you're like, okay, well, vintage guitars accrue value. You're basically getting paid to caretake for them until you sell them to the next person. Right. Um, sell them. But that, yeah. If you ever do, right. You know, like <laughs> I'm so confused. You don't get, we don't get to take it with us when we're gone. You know, that's true. But or when our States decide to sell, I was going right? to say when my wife sells it after I'm yeah, dead. Yeah. But. So like, um, but I was thinking about this. I'm like, yeah, but at the flip side of this, we also have this amazing ecosystem where I'm like, I could spend, I could spend several thousand dollars 
I could spend I could spell sends I could spend several thousand dollars for like the dream uh sun model T, right? Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, listen to this thing. I'm gonna plug everything into this and just terrify the whole neighborhood. Yes, right? yes. I'm just gonna do this. But you know what else I could spend that several thousand dollars on that would do the same thing? I could buy a science decolonizer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm supporting somebody now. Yes. Who is doing beautiful work, who is basically like, it's like, oh, you, it's it's almost like, oh, you like 60s Camaros? Check this out. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, here's imagine, a version that I built. Yeah. <laughs> and, ima- and imagine being able to drive it for more than an hour at a time. That's <laughs> <laughs> Because oh, we've written, you and I have written in some vintage trucks and vintage cars. We're like, oh my god, I'm sitting on a bench. Like, <laughs> this is actually a bench. It's a bench covered with like custom cabinet covering. That's it. <laughs> it's vinyl. It's like vinyl and like a mattress topper, and that's it. It's all you need. A bench. It's all you need. Come on, son. Tough oh, enough. No, no, wait, no, man. I, I, I've been driving an 18-year-old car for a while. I'll, I'll be candid about this. When I rent a car, usually I'm like, I'm not, I'm not jealous. I'm not jealous. But sometimes you rent a nice new car, and you're like, oh, is this what new cars are now? Whoa. Yeah. There's also like the thing of even if it's not a newer car, it's like going up. A, you go up a, a grade in the same like year. So yes. like you go from like a Toyota Corolla to like an Infinity, and you're like, oh, oh, that's why these were more money. Like yes, <laughs> like not just because of the gadgets or whatever, but it's like the actual driving experience. You're like, oh, oh, I get it now. This has 400 horsepower and uh, actually like steers really well. Well, my other one feels like I'm basically driving the physical manifestation of cotton candy in car form. <laughs> <laughs> You know what guitar is kind of like that? You know what guitar gave me that feeling? Like, oh, is this what a is this what a Mercedes feels like? Right? Or is this mm-hmm. what a is this what a new Beamer Beamer 7 series feels like? Oh, you know? Mm-hmm. The uh the Ernie Ball St. Vincent. Oh yeah. That thing's so killer. And it so feels good. like, oh, this is what a new car feels like. Like, is this like you know what I'm saying? Cause like you're grabbing like you're grabbing most of your like strats and things like that. And it's basically like, I'm just grabbing different years of the same suit. Right. It really is mostly the same. You know? And all of a sudden you put on the strength Vincent, and you're like, Whoa, Whoa. You know, and it has some of that same, it has some of that quality, a little bit different with the aesthetics, but some of that quality we talk about with like the Charvels and the HMs were like, this is what we do. If we were really trying to cut these things to like, so you could perform right you know i never really thought about it till you you put it in guitar terms but that's kind of how my millimetric is yes like i'm like it obviously very modern looking and stuff too but like the fretwork on it is insane and but he made it with the big neck like i like but it's also like the best neck it's so it feels so good it's this smooth satin walnut neck with the best fretwork i've ever played and it it feels like that it's like oh this is the seven series like ah yes i get it Mm -hmm. i never really thought about it in those terms but that's how what that guitar is is made like yeah it's like this luxury car of a guitar 
you know, where you're like, oh, look at this fine engineering and look how this fits. And that, that, that millimetric, I, I've looked at those neck joints and I'm mm -hmm. just like, look at that. Just look at that. Like, it's almost like, like somebody's like, looks at the neck joints that we've used for 60 years of guitar and just says, but why? But but you could do better. <laughs> <laughs> and actually did it and not being like some like, oh, you know, it's like, no, no, let's just do this. Like, look, see, look how well this fits right here. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm like, God, that's really that's pretty damn sexy. You know? Yeah. His, and his pickup looks. Oh, my gosh. His pickups look so amazing. And I'll say this. And I, I say this as an enthusiast of pickups, but the millimetric. The pickups that he, he he sources or builds for those things, he those things, yeah. those things look like he pulled them out of like the Death Star, you know, mm -hmm. like they look like Obi Wan should be fighting Darth Vader in front of those pickups. And I tell you, I've got it. I've, I've got the humbucker and the bridge and the P ninety in the neck. Which when I had him build that thing, I was like, he was like, well, what do you want? I was like, well, I want this particular body shape. I think that's your best one. Uh, and then I would like, you know, bigger neck and a 27 inch scale. And other than that, Oof. you do you, you just, just surprise me. I didn't pick anything else. Nice. And, uh, that was a, a tip from, uh, Adam at satellite. He's like, you should try that sometime with the builder you trust. And I was like, all right, Florian, you just make the guitar that you think of that I want. I don't like whatever. So yeah, he put P90 in the neck, his humbucker in the bridge and painted it that color that you've seen. It's like that greenish blue. And I'm like, yeah, you nailed it, buddy. Like that was the best decision just to let him do it. Cause oh, it's awesome. Uh, it, the guitar is so good. And I play it in like demos and stuff. And <laughs> I, part of what inspired this, uh, this episode was I had a hangout with the, some of the patrons of the podcast, we just went on, on Google meet and just yeah. shot the breeze for two hours. And, uh, one of the things we talked awesome. about was like demo videos. And I was like, what do you think of my demo videos? I'm like, I obviously I'm no cinematographer, but like, does it get the point across? And some of the responses were very valid. Uh, they're like, yes, they're, they, you're doing a good job with them. We kind of, we get the idea of what the pedal sounds like. He's like, but you're playing a Benson Vincent that nobody can buy. With a, a small boutique builder from from Canada that <laughs> has had orders closed for a year and a half, <laughs> and he's like, maybe you should play. I think this was Tom that said this. Shout out Tom Kelly, big supporter. Uh, he said maybe more white, less Paul custom, and less of that. <laughs> like, like fair point. That is a fair oh my point. gosh! Yes, yeah, yeah, and it's it's like. Yeah, and that's the flip side of us in the magic era, the the platinum, you know, the the platinum era of boutique and guitar craft and things. Where we're like, we're like naturally supportive of these things, and we get to use them. And then sometimes it's also like, and for us, it's like I'm not going to buy, I'm not buying stupid cars, right? right. <laughs> I'm right. not buying stupid watches i'm not buying stupid shoes you know what i'm saying i'm like i'm what i'm spending my hard-earned prize money on i mean is some of this guitar gear because i love it i support my friends and it also sounds 
like it genuinely sounds like what alchemy is going on here you know Mm -hmm. like that's the magic but to a lot lot of people they're just like oh my god they're just using like (laughs) these guys are these guys are these guys these guys are snorting the 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 peruvian gold out of the faders here (laughs) you know (laughs) to bring it back around to our touchstone you know like you know they're getting the pure stuff off the plant right now you know like you know like there's no baking soda mixed in this stuff, you know. Like it's, you know, they're they're getting the weapons grade stuff. So, yeah, I can see that that charm. Hey, one last topic before I go. Okay, unless, I'm ready. Unless we want a little lightning round it. Okay, let's. But do I want to laugh about this. Okay, we spend a few minutes on this before I get summoned in to take care of my terrible children. Um, <laughs> so, did you notice? I feel that some of the traditional media about our industry Mm -hmm. that got produced in the last year, the kind of prestige media, I thought was pretty damn splendid. And I'm talking about the pedal movie and I'm talking specifically about the pedal movie and the big Stompbox book. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like I thought I was pretty thrilled to, have been included participated in these things. I think those are the kind of things that if my parents were around, they're wonderful. And I could justifiably say, look, this is what I'm in. You know, it's like, it's an easy way to like, this is a documentary I'm in, you know, mm-hmm. it's about my industry. And, and I make a little appearance in it. I'm in there for 38 seconds, but it's fantastic to be a part of, you know, this is a book about pedals. You know, I make a few appearances in this. Like, our work has appeared a few times in this. This is pretty marvelous, you know? Like, did you sense some kind of, like, did you ever get any kind of whiff of, because uh, I got a little bit, so I was curious if you did, this kind of, like, reactionary, hateristic BS about it? Like, kind, um... of, just, kind of this grumbly, like, you know, why wasn't my favorite builder put in the book? <laughs> why didn't put this person in the movie? You know? And I'm like, well, I was thinking about the movie thing. And I'm like, well, here's who's in the movie. The movie is a video medium, right? Mm-hmm. And the people they put into the video in the movie are people who they thought would be good on video. Like that's part of it, you know, like mm-hmm. it's not just the whole story, the story of mo- of pedals. There's of course a lot of people involved. Right. And I love the history of it, man. I mean, my favorite stuff was all the 60s, 70s stuff through the eighties, you know, like that was like, wow, this is so cool. Right? right. But a big part of this was like, part of the reason Josh Scott is in the movie a lot is because Josh Scott has been cultivating a video video, format where he has been a narrator about pedals for four years he knows more about the history of that stuff than any single person yes i would say yeah and brian wampler has been doing this and you have been doing this and andy has been doing this right like people have been on have been filming themselves and talking in film and explaining this for this video format you know like that I know they couldn't have included every builder, but what it made sense to have 
or every builder or every podcaster or every reviewer, right? But it made real sense when I watched it. I was like, Emily is in there, right? You're in there. Um, Fran is there. Like Josh Scott, Keeley, um, just a whole bunch of people who have uh, cultivated a little bit of a persona, but also have a comfort level being recorded talking about this stuff. Right. Does that make sense? Right. You know? Right. So it's like a part of me was like, 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 okay, this would be kind of like watching the episode. There's an awesome episode of the movie of the TV show girls that came out. And a lot of people have mixed feelings and girls, but regardless, there's one episode that I think is an absolute must watch that I'm convinced is like, dislike Lana Dunham's public persona. All you want dislike some of her art, all you want, but this episode, I was like, this is clearly somebody who has talent, right? And right. the episode is one, the episode was called, um, I'm not sure what the actual title of it is, but it's, it's the final season. And the, the, the working title of the episode was American Bitch. And it is an episode where Lena Dunham's character, Hannah, confronts a famous author who has been credibly accused of sexual harassment. Okay. And that author is played by Matthew Rice from The Americans and from a bunch of different stuff. Like, awesome actor, right? From Perry Mason, The Americans, a bunch of stuff, right? And it's fantastic. And it's an amazing what they've done. What she does is basically kind of the David Mamet Oleana thing where two people are trapped in a room for 30 minutes. Okay, okay, gotcha. And doing almost an interrogation of each other, an interrogation of him, an interrogation of what moral basis does she have to confront him, you know, all this stuff. Uh, what is the basis of behavior? What are the rules and norms around his around how he acts and all this stuff? With some real good wild twists in it, too, right? Very, like, I'm like, I know a lot of, I know 99.9% .9 of the people who complain about Lena Dunham's art or persona or everything could not have written this if they had a thousand years and a thousand monkeys with a thousand typewriters. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm yeah. like, this is clearly talent. Like, this is like, this is talent. This is like, this is clearly talent, like a Vonnegut kind of talent. Right. And it's the final season. It's a great episode of television. Right. And I was thinking about this. I'm like, some of this grumbling is almost like people grumbling that they weren't given a documentary about an author who had committed this stuff. Does that make sense? You know, like, it's like, this is a medium. It's a fictional medium, which means it requires actors, which means actors at staging and they're staging in television, you know? And I was thinking about this. I'm like, for this episode, which is, a fictional episode of episodic television about this subject, you will have, this would be like being mad that you got, you didn't get a documentary instead of this, right? Right. And so the pedal movie, the pedal movie is like, we are not going to take a deep dive expose into the um, valence electron difference between germanium and silicon. No, that was never the point. That was never the point. Like, it's uh, it was like what I thought was was beautiful about it was it was about 
kind of this crazy nerdy culture, but also how that nerdy culture kind of sprang from these tools and how these tools changed these instruments, you know, to where someone once said to me, like, all instruments are drums, right? And I was like, whoa, that's kind of mind blowing. It's like, you have drummers, trap drummers who are banging on things, right? You have bass players who bang on strings that are down tuned to go boom, 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 right? And then he's like, and then you have guitar players who bang on a different set of strings, like they're banging on a different percussion instrument, that then they're expected to run through a bunch of stuff to change how it sounds. I was like, that's pretty darn wild mm-hmm. that this has become so part of the understood lexicon of this instrument, you know, that they almost don't like, they almost do not expect to hear. They almost don't expect to hear raw guitar, like, like unprocessed guitar, unprocessed right. guitar is, is almost <laughs> like, but why <laughs> that'd be like, do you know what I'm saying? That'd be like, are, are, that'd be like refusing to play. That'd be like refusing to to use your cymbals. Huh? Like, it, it, it's like, what? Like, you're going to be a trap drummer without cymbals? Like, okay, well, okay, you know. Oh, you're going to play guitar, but you're not going to do anything to change the sound? All right, buddy. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's now become so magically understood, you know? So I, I laugh about these things. Like, I'm like, the function of these, the function and intent I thought of these movies and this media the stomp box book is another amazing thing like i'm like good good that that thing for one like you could kill a bear with it it's so big and thick (laughs) right that's what she said but it's like it's awesome you know but i i I was like i i found myself just like rolling my eyes at people's like oh now there's a coffee table book about this i'm like have you seen some of the things their coffee table books about (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, there's a lot less uh, interesting things that are have been turned into coffee table books. Let's be honest. Like, there's a coffee table book about coffee tables. Like, so, let like, me tell you, if I had to go to wait, and if if I had to go to a doctor's office, and there's that Stombox book, because you know you're sitting in a doctor's office, it's like ten o'clock appointment. It's like the cable guy. Okay, you might be in there by eleven fifteen, right? Mm-hmm. Right. If I'm sitting in a doctor's office, and that Stombox book's there, I'm thinking. Hell yes. This is awesome. You know? Like, if I were in some place, I'd be like, look at this. This is incredible. Like, the scope of how they explained all the different effectors, the histories of it, the interviews they had with different people, the photographs, the high quality of everything. It's like like this prestigious thing, you know? Um, And I'm not saying that's a substitute for anything in this world, but I think it was just nice that there is like a a movie made and I enjoyed it. And then I had, I saw that book and I read through the book and I liked the book, you know? Mm -hmm. And I thought they interviewed a very nice mix of people for this, you know, and had some interesting perspectives on this stuff and some right historical figures and some very smart people and people who had ideas. So I don't know. This is just me. This is just me ranting for the last 10 minutes, you know, but I I meant to ask you what you thought of it. You know, I mean, so as far as like the, the perceived backlash, I, I think 
overall, most of the most of the feedback has been positive. Last I looked on uh, on Rotten Tomatoes or IMDb, whatever it was, it, the rating was pretty good. So yeah. I think like overall, most people who watched it did enjoy it. Uh, yeah. I didn't really hear too much backlash about the Stompbox book, but there, it also wasn't quite as heavily promoted. So you know that might have something to do with it. Yeah. Um, but I think a lot of the grumbling stems from all, like also like not not really understanding how big of an undertaking this already was. You know, there's a lot of why wasn't X Y Z person in it, and some of that's like valid, right? Some of it's like, oh yeah, I wish we could have got that person, and you know, there were plans to have other people in it as well. There was going to be a whole thing, and and Michael and the guys they explained it on this show and some other ones. They were, they were going to have a whole thing where they ended up going to EHX, right, and talking to Mike Matthews. That didn't happen because 2020 happened. So there was a bunch mm-hmm. of logistical things in there that made it difficult. It's kind of amazing that they were already given the green light by a company to travel the country and interview these people for for the purposes of this film. It's amazing. You know? It's crazy that that even got that far. So the fact that it's like, why wasn't this guy in it? Why wasn't that guy in it? And why wasn't this person in it? And blah, blah, blah. And it's like, well, okay, it's already the, the same The same people grumbling about that are the same people saying it's two and a half hours long. It's way too long. I know. I'm <laughs> like, well, like, I get it. It is long. But how do you distill it much further? You know, yes. how do you get it taken down? Now, the did I have a couple, like, small critiques that I would have like, Oh yeah, I would have edited that a little bit differently, but you know, whatever that's, that's me versus them. That's not like a real critique. I'm just, there's a few things where I'm like, yeah, I would have cut that a little different myself, but that's, that's just me. And, uh, I thought overall they did a, a tremendous job with trying to, they weren't just trying to talk about the different circuits that, that was almost the, like the side note. The point is, the impact that it had on music and the point is the culture that has been created around it. I mean, what on what, what other timeline would you and I be talking about this stuff? Right I know now? it's like, amazing. It's crazy. What has ended up coming out of it? And there's thousands and thousands of people that are in the groups talking about this stuff. There's thousands of people watching the demos. There's thousands of people, you know, researching and thinking about this stuff and trying to like, you know, be a part of it. There's people tuning into this freaking podcast where I sit down and talk about nonsense that sometimes overlaps with guitar pedals. Like, yeah, it yes. doesn't. On what other planet could this have occurred? How does it, my parents don't understand any of this stuff? So, mm-hmm. like, to be able to hand them that and be like, here, here is a pretty good distillation of the culture and the industry that I surround myself with. Yes. It it's a pretty good uh observation and it's a pretty good like here's what this is in this particular time right now. Yeah. And, and there's so many people who are project. coming yeah. <laughs> it's a huge project. And it's also there's there's because of the things that change so fast and because sometimes sometimes people just come from out of nowhere and they just wow us, right? Or Maybe, the, you know what I'm saying, we haven't seen them wow us with their main thing yet, you know? Mm-hmm. There's stuff that, in five years, people would be like, how come this guy wasn't in there? 
right? It's like, well, this guy wasn't necessarily that guy at that time either, you know? Like, sometimes it it takes a moment for people to find what they do. I mean... Well, that's actually a really good point because let's say that that movie had been made five years ago with the same budget and the same thing, but yeah. like, but I hadn't got started yet, and Joel Corte was just kind of getting his feet off the ground. Would yeah. either would either of us be in it? Yeah. Probably, probably not. You that's know? very yeah, exactly. It's like it's like we don't quite like you know. It's like Joel Joel with Chase Bliss. It's a great example because I think he's pushed the envelope in a really interesting way, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember being asked, like, what do you think of these builders? And Chase Blissett was like, I'm already frightened because he's, his first pedal, it's almost like everybody's been trying to write singles. And his first pedal was like a 17-minute prog song, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you yes. know? yes. And I'm like, wait, I thought we were in the singles game, you know? Like, I thought we were doing three minutes, first chorus, verse. What's happening here? Yeah, you know, here? what's happening yeah. here? This guy's got some prog. It has, like, sections, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like his first pedal is like that Mastodon song that's, like, part one, part two, part three, part four, you know, like, Usurper, you know? Yep, exactly. <laughs> and um, yeah, it's like, we don't know what people would emerge, and what I have to, like... I think of like my tiny little role within this whole industry, my thing, and aside from making things that people like and they do things with that I didn't anticipate, right? Like I try to think of my, if there's a, a general kind of role that I'd like to have is to try to encourage people to pursue this stuff and push themselves and push themselves on their playing through these things. Does that make sense? It's like, that's, that becomes like bigger to me than, than just what circuit I made, mm-hmm. you it's know, what people or, can do with or it. what model It's like, what are people going to do with this thing and what can it possibly unlock out of them that they might not have done otherwise? Well, I promise you it's done stuff for me. Yeah. I I remember the first time I plugged in the Meteor and at Eastside Music. And for some reason, uh they <laughs> I mean, I was just getting started. Like I yeah. the podcast had been around for a little bit, but it was I was just getting started with this stuff. Yeah. And I was like, Well, I gotta go here. I hear this is the place for pedals. And I go there yeah. and <laughs> whoever the employee was, I don't know if he's I don't know if he's employed there anymore, honestly. Yeah. But I was there kind of right before closing and I'm just like losing myself in this pedal. Right. And I'm like, wow, Philippe really killed it with this. This is nuts. And I look up after it had been like 20 minutes and I'm completely alone in that store. Yeah. I don't see. And it was the smaller store at the time. And I was like, I I didn't see the clerk. I didn't see. uh, He walked, he literally walked outside. And I, then I was very conscious of the fact that I was alone and I was like, where uh, am I? <laughs> and I'm like, not that I was weird. Like, I, not that I was scared for myself. And I'm like, if I was a different person, 
I would have a whole lot of really awesome gear because my car is just right outside yeah. by, by the curb. And I can just take this pedal home, take this vintage silver tone amp. Oh, look at this. Oh, this is a nice gold top. I'll just take yeah. this with me too. Like I literally could have cleaned that place out real fast and just left. And there would have been no nobody to offer anything. Yeah. Um, and then like, I'm not, I'm not even kidding. Like 15, 20 minutes later, the guy comes back. And I was like, okay. Because I felt like, sort of like responsible like i know it wasn't my responsibility but i was like i have to stay here until he gets back because a i'm buying this pedal yes. and b and and b like i don't want somebody else to come in and start talking stuff. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, i love it i yeah, love it that's a and sidebar but like the point is that i got so lost in that pedal that i didn't notice him leave mm-hmm. and th- and then i had that same feeling with it it's on almost every single track on on the record on the American Cyclops record. Oh man, thank Meteor is on almost every single track, and you can, in oftentimes, like totally tell because there's parts where I'm just like, riding that havoc button, and that's <laughs> entirely part of the song that it would never have happened had that not thing not existed. So awesome, man! Know. Thank you, and like, and that's that's the timeline we get to enjoy where I'm like, Oh my goodness, I got to make these things that people enjoy. And I get to see there's this one, uh, there's this one girl from Brazil who does recordings, Ana Julia, HA with jetpacks on Instagram that Mm -hmm. she plays, she plays our pedals. And I'm just like, God, you're the best. <laughs> you know, and it, it's it's not like she's like the world's fastest shredder. She's not like the fir- like craziest thing, but she just always plays like that's a freaking great part. Right. You know, like that's a great, you know, and I'm just like Anna, like you make me want to just either A move to Brazil and form a band with you or B record and I refrain from doing any of the ostinato or counter melody parts that I would normally do that I built a lot of these pedals to encourage me to do because you're better at it than I am now. <laughs> you know what I'm, like, I'm the designer of this thing and I play a certain kind of style and I built these to kind of like compliment, accentuate, that. Compliment yeah. that style, but also take me out of it a little bit or extend it. And guess what? You, as like this 26-year-old Brazilian girl, is better at these things than I am. You never know, right? And it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. I think it's absolutely beautiful. I'm like, I want to form... It's like, it's like, I would want to form a band and say, no, I will not play counter melodies. No, I will not play over-the-top guitar parts. No, I will not play second complementary guitar parts. I'll play riffs, and I will sing melodies, and then I will send them to this girl. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? And I think that's an awesome timeline to be in that it's like, my, I've created this work and she has found this work and she has applied this work in a way where it's like, oh, no, 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 no. I thought I was a cinematographer who's designing lenses. No, you are a cinematographer using these lenses. Right. Right. And if I were shooting a film, I would be like, yes, I will direct this film and I will not stand behind the camera at all. You know, like, mm-hmm. like you will be doing the shots. You will be moving the cameras around. You will be framing the perspectives. All I will be doing is yelling cut. And no, I don't think you should say it that way. 
You know? <laughs> no, do it again. Yeah, let's no, do that do again. Do that again. And that's, you know, and that's a beautiful timeline to be in. I got to run. All of a sudden, I just got the bat signal. But um, yeah, I'm, man, I'm this sitting like, well, we, we, this is the longest hour ever. I loved it, man. <laughs> and you know what? It's like my wife was like, keep going. You know, she's like, keep going. She gave me a signal a little while ago and was like, no, it's good. So the terrible children must either have given up or she's given up. Okay. Well, but uh, man, this was a blast. Uh, can I can I hype something for a moment before we go? It. Hype it, hype it. All right, we're putting out the pedal called the blues. Mm-hmm. The for blues. Real this time. Actual for real, and um, it was hilarious. We, uh, my coworker Ben, conceived of it as an April Fool's joke because it's like well, you know what we would never make a pedal for blues music called the blues, right? <laughs> and I was like, you're right, we would never do that. That's hilarious. It's like we should do the thing where he wanted me to play, act like Steve Ray Vaughan, and play uh, Stratlicks with a fedora on or something, you know? Of course. Um, and then. Like five months ago, I was like, I think we should actually do this as a pedal. And we'll see. And so it's a simple overdriver, but with a little clever twist. And we are actually putting out a run of the blues uh, through retailers and stuff. And uh, it sounds like every expensive vintage amp you've ever wanted um, recorded with ribbon microphones into faders full of cocaine. Of course, of, we got to close it out with the faders <laughs> and the cocaine. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a proper Philippe appearance on the Dome podcast. But yeah, it sounds like that. It, it, whatever vintage amp you've been dreaming of, it sounds like it. Okay, like whatever wow. you want, whatever you want. Okay, whatever you want to imagine it to be. I'm thinking a that. vintage orange. Is that going to cover that it's, territory? It's, it sounds like a vintage orange, and it sounds like a tweed champ. Oh, perfect. <laughs> yeah. Those are the same thing. Yes. And a Dumble and an old uh, Gibson Falcon and um, and a Vox Super Beetle solid state amp. And, a super, re- and a super reverb. And yeah. a super reverb. Mm-hmm. Um, and a Sun Model T. Um, it sounds like all of them. It's, it, 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 it can do them all. Oh, I have something I want to tell you about a Sun Model T, but you got to go. We'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it later, my friend. Okay. Hey, this was a blast. Thank you for having me. Yes, thank you so much. This is going to be a, a great one to drop on the on the people. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Here, my friend. All right, everybody. For Philippe, this is Blake, and as always, folks, good luck and good tones. Okay, there you have it, folks. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the podcast. I know I did. I had a great time. I always have a great time with Philippe. Make sure you check out all of his fine products. I fully endorse and support them. They are fantastic. I love his pedals, and he's a great dude, and, you know, there's nothing better than supporting great dudes. And if you think that I'm a great dude, and you would like to get extra bonus content to your ears every week, please check out the Patreon. There's almost 200 episodes over there that you can check out. There won't be a bonus with Philippe this week because we just kept going and kept going and kept going. And I was like, I'm not cutting this off. We're, we're rolling too good. But I do have something else that's fairly spicy and uh, really exciting to share with the patrons this week. So if you could go over there, you can go to patreon.com slash tone mob. And for five bucks a month, you can get extra episodes and bonus content beamed right to your ears every week. And I really, really appreciate it. 
Additionally, if you can't do that right now, I get it. But please, please, please tell somebody you know about this podcast. That is the most important thing that you can do is share this with a friend, share this with a fellow guitarist, share it with somebody. Honestly, that makes all the difference in the world. And it might take a few shares. I know it, it sometimes takes me a few shares from a, a particular person for me to really dive into a podcast because it's a big commitment. But uh, if you could, I would really, 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 really appreciate that. Okay. Until next time, folks, talk to you later. Bye. One last thing before we totally sign off here. I just want to remind you that if you do any shopping at Stringjoy, that's Stringjoy Guitar Strings made in Nashville, that will help me out as well. As I've said for years, I'm heavily involved in that company, and I really do think they're making the best products on the market. So if you would like to try custom strings, go to ToneMob.com Stringjoy and check them out today. I seriously, seriously, seriously love what the team down there is doing. I help them out with all kinds of things, and by you supporting them, you are also supporting me as well. And hey, you need some strings, so why not get some custom strings just for your guitar and playing style? Again, the link for that is tonemob.com stringjoy, and that will take you right to their website, and you can do all your shopping through there, and that will help everyone involved out. So thank you very much. Talk to you next time. We are brought to you by the wonderful folks at Gun Street Wiring Shop. Yes, Gun Street Wiring Shop. I've talked about them before. I used to say based out of Bend, Oregon, but guess what? Sean moved to my neck of the woods. Sean's in Portland. Sean is awesome and has helped me with a bunch of stuff lately. And if you have wiring needs for your guitar, he can help you too. If you want to get weird with it, he can get weird. If you just need to spruce things up a little bit, there's your guy. He takes all the guesswork out of doing your guitar wiring, and he makes it simple and his customer service is top-notch, and I can't say enough good things about Gunstreet as a company. I really respect Sean and what he's all about, and the product is top-notch. I've got three different guitars that now have Gunstreet harnesses in them, and I could not be happier. So go to GunstreetWiringShop.com and check them out.